This is the Frankly Daniel Show, and I am the Daniel in the Frankly part of this enterprise. Yes, it's my weekly exercise of our First Amendment rights, and I am honored to be here today with you. There is so much to cover and so much to say, and I know your time's precious and I appreciate it. So let's, let's jump in. Where to start? First, first, my condolences to the families of our brave soldiers who gave their lives in Afghanistan. Never has thank you for your service meant so much for so many. The world is a complicated and dangerous place, and we must never allow our politicians to undercut or defund our military. I am terribly tempted to devote the entire show today to the debacle that is Afghanistan. But I can't do that. It would be nothing short of me screaming the entire show, and neither of us would get anything out of that except perhaps 60 minutes of dangerously elevated blood pressure. I was hopping mad about Afghanistan last week, but I resisted talking through that minefield because there's so much to share with you about the destruction the Biden administration is wreaking on Americans right here in America. Biden and his cabinet have done more in eight months to unravel our financial security, our physical security, our political security, our psychological security, our overseas security, our diplomatic security, our military security, our religious security, our civil rights security, our health care security, our faith in government. And, well, you can see that you can see that I can't really talk about Afghanistan today. So allow me to change my frame of mind and, and move on. So starting afresh, allow me to thank you for your fantastic response to my show last weekend entitled Wokeness Run Amok. Boy, that seems like an appropriate title for the entire Biden administration. This entire show is available on podcast on the America Out Loud Network. It's under my name, Daniel Francis Baranowski, or under my show's name, The Frankly Daniel Show. And I'll try to cheer up here a bit. We're fighting against a deadly undertow of wokeness that's determined to unhinge the very foundations of republicanism and our constitutional government. Now, the flat earthers on the left, the so-called radical progressives, the neo-Marxists, the socialist wannabes, the walking dead Democrats, the Bidenites, they're all sowing divisiveness and slashing the tendons and principles that have secured the most generous, benevolent, righteous, and dedicated, liberty-loving nation ever to populate God's planet. I will not go gently into that dark night of apathy, of numbness, of detached disregard. More than ever before in our lifetimes, Americans need each and every one of us to stand up and say no more wokeness. Our children's lives will not be part of the left's shameless efforts to divide us by skin color. Who would ever have thought that in the year of our Lord, 2021, an ideology as sick as critical race theory would come storming into America, pitting Americans against Americans over each other's skin color? 
CRT is a criminally malicious scheme by the radical progressive left to, to weaponize race in service to, to the chaos desired by American neo-Marxists. You know, the original Marxist struggle pitted the wealthy against the poor in combat over one's economic class. Here in America, our large middle class has made this a rather difficult sale on the part of Marxists. So why not substitute race for economics as the basis for class combat? That's what the American neo-Marxists have done through critical race theory. The left wants a class confrontation around not only race, however, but also around a sibling of critical race theory, that being transgender ideology. Think about it. When, when did you start hearing about transgender ideology? When did LGB become the new alphabet of LGBTQI, meaning lesbian, gay, bisexual, transgender, queer and or questioning, intersex, and asexual or ally? What a mouthful. Today's issues of transgenderism are in your face at every turn of the news page. Why? Why is the percentage of adolescent and pre-adolescent girls seeking and sneaking to cross-sex transition? Why is it off the charts? You know, it's up 1,200% since 2014. And it's largely, nearly exclusively, girls transitioning into boys. What social contagion has seized the impressionable brains of our youth? And, and who's cheering on this dangerous, often irreversible nonsense? Why would any American believe these CRT and transgender terrorists? More disturbing is the chaos and destruction caused by the neo-Marxist initiatives. The key goal of both is the devastation of the nuclear family. The glue that holds any society together is the nuclear family. Marxists, especially Black Lives Matter Marxists, detest the nuclear family, and they delight in its unraveling. And as for transgenderism, don't get me wrong. There is such a thing as gender dysphoria, and I believe some adults find relief in transforming their gender. But these are, are adults. We're, we're not talking about adults. We're talking about 12-year-old girls. The progressive left has enabled, through legislation and the destructive power of cancel culture, to allow teens to self-determine their gender and undergo life-altering hormone and surgical interventions that are often not reversible? They've been enabled to seek these changes without the consent of their parents, much less not even being required to inform their parents of their actions. The growing number of those in detransition, the detransitioners, those seeking to reverse their venture into another sex, that number is alarming. It's growing left and right. There's mounting evidence that 12, 13, 14-year-old girls don't have the mental and psychological maturity to self-diagnose gender dysphoria, nor make well-informed, life-altering to medical decisions. 90% of the time, once a teen starts down this road, there's massive family discord, disillusion, and often destruction. But if you're a neo-Marxist, then mission accomplished. The more chaos, the more unhinging of the nuclear family, the more social discord and disharmony, all to the better. This sets the stage for neo-Marxist and neo-socialist revolutions. 
and the institution of a strong centralized government that will reorder society and command our behavior. At that point, we no longer have an American Constitution. We no longer have individual civil rights. Why not? Because the chaos and social upheavals will have proven to those new in command that we couldn't manage ourselves without strong dictatorial oversight. No, I'm not a conspiracy kook. If I was, this would be so simple just to write me off. You could simply say Daniel's nuts. Perhaps I am, but I don't think so but I do challenge you to look long and hard at the facts. If you're not alarmed, it may already be too late. Here's an audio clip from a television show broadcast in the early 1970s. The host of the program is G. Edward Griffin. Listen to this and see what you think. As early as 1928, the communists declared that the racial differences among our people constituted the weakest and most vulnerable point in our social fabric. By constantly probing and straining at this one spot, they calculated that eventually the cloth could be torn apart and that Americans could be divided, weakened, and perhaps even set against each other in open combat. We mustn't kid ourselves into thinking that the communists have placed their agitators only into the black communities. They're working both sides of the street. They want hatred, violence and bloodshed between the races and they don't care how they get it or whom they use even children if necessary pretty interesting huh more than 50 years ago commentators were aware that during our struggles with african-american civil rights or better known then as negro civil rights that race was a terribly sore and weakened spot in our social fabric it was a weakness that communism could exploit and perhaps they tried to there were numerous reports at the time that communists had infiltrated the black civil rights movement. There were also numerous reports that communists had infiltrated the Ku Klux Klan, the KKK, and various other white supremacy groups. Maybe they had, not my area of interest, but I do know that thanks to leaders like Dr. Martin Luther King Jr., we came through that difficult period stronger and healthier than many would have imagined back then. But it cost the life of Reverend King, and that's unfortunate. Fortunately, though, the Civil Rights and Voter Rights Acts of 1964 and 1965, respectively, well, well they, they set a course for how to resolve conflict through dialogue and litigation set in rules, set in law. And while hills of differences remain, there are no longer mountains between black and white Americans. But to hear today's black racists spewing the racist hate of critical race theory, you'd think we all just disembarked Noah's Ark and were just beginning to grapple with issues of racial differences. I believe that in the long run we'll come to find these differences are really only skin deep. But we, we can't remain ignorant or complacent. Critical race theorists have invaded our education and political systems, and they're quite handy with a thesaurus and wordsmithing. After all, why would anyone be against fighting racism? Aren't we all for diversity, inclusion, and equity? Or, or equality, aren't, aren't they the same thing? But if you study CRT, you can't expunge racism. You can't get rid of it. CRT accepts racism as a given and professes the only way to deal with racism is more racism, but in the other direction.
Yes, they, they advocate for racist policies against white people. It's the white supremacists who've employed their greater population numbers to exert white privilege at the expense of black people. So not only is turnabout fair play, it's the only play critical race theory endorses. Uh, yes, I know CRT uses the new phrase, people of color, but they really mean people of black color. It's not people of color lives matter, it's black lives matter. And by the way, BLM is a self-proclaimed neo-Marxist organization. Given this, it makes one curious as to why American corporations would donate over a hundred million dollars to a Marxist group. Trust me, it's, it's out of fear. Well, I better be moving along if I'm going to get to the topic of woke public school boards run amok. But first, just an, another short road trip. I'd like to share with you what I believe are three important events that have turned our world upside down and inside out over the last 18 to 24 months. First, the murder of George Floyd. Second, the legacy media's hatred of Donald Trump's America First agenda, by which Trump celebrated individual initiative, meritocracy, American exceptionalism, hard work, self-determination, and patriotic love of country. The third critical event is the never-ending COVID-19 pandemic. But first, let's tackle George, George Floyd's murder. Yes, it was murder, and the convicted murderer is in prison. George Floyd was a petty thief and a very damaged drug addict. Had Floyd been hit and killed by a passing car, we'd likely never have heard his name. His only unfortunate accomplishment was his death at the hands of a police officer, a, a white police officer. And if not for the remarkable video capturing ability of today's smartphones, we still probably wouldn't know about the murder of George Floyd. Or we'd have certainly have forgotten it by now. Unquestionably, smartphones have changed our world in, in more important ways than any other single technology. But armed with a 10-minute video of Mr. Floyd's slow death, human interest in our public's perverse voyeurism, the progressively bent media was encouraged to run this video and its ever-expanding story non-stop. And the story, as awful as it was, wasn't enough to keep the public interested, so the media hyped the story beyond any and all facts. The media whipped the social warrior activists into a riotous fury. And the media is largely responsible for the extensive public destruction that followed. A summer of violent riots, extreme vandalism, arson, personal injury and death, all justified by the media as appropriate response by social justice warriors and opportunists for the murder of the media's crowned martyr, George Floyd. But the murder of George was never really a racial issue. Not one piece of evidence was introduced during the prosecution of Floyd's killer, that, that this white police officer's action were motivated by any racial animus. This officer has not been charged with a hate crime and it likely never will be. But the radical progressive left has used the George Floyd tragedy to promote their agenda of social chaos and evil. 
and we're all suffering the effects of this dishonest agenda. Defunding the police had never been an issue before, before George Floyd's death. Defunding police has killed, maimed, disfigured, and robbed thousands of Americans since George Floyd's death. Defunding the police is another strategic goal of the progressive left because, again, it sows chaos, social unrest, and a feeling of hopelessness and helplessness. It creates an anxious, depressing void and emptiness. All the media hype around Floyd's death has had other damaging effects on the American psyche. For instance, young black men report that they believe police murder thousands of unarmed black men each year. The true total is between 12 and 14 deaths each year. This is among over 100 million police citizen encounters each year. Yes, white police shootings of unarmed blacks in the line of duty amount to between 12 and 14 deaths each year. Now these are unfortunate, but you've got to put them in perspective. On average, no more than two or three of these homicides are judged in any year as wrongful deaths. But even if all 14 were murder, to believe that this number is actually more than a thousand is a terrible mental distortion. Surveyed African Americans believe cops kill more black human beings each year than auto accidents, lightning, drowning, fights, and home accidents combined. All this misunderstanding, despite there are nearly 7,800, 7,800, nearly 8,000 black-on-black murders committed each year in America. We were numb hearing about the weekend shootings and deaths out of Chicago. All of it gang-on-gang, black-on-black, black-on-white, and on and on it goes. But you heard none of this black-on-black murder during the summer riots as black youths crashed department stores, stealing whatever they could physically carry out carry out of that store and, and then speed away in waiting cars. And the press, yes, our honest, truthful press, they, they label these thefts as justified reparations for past sins of slavery. So upon these lies, we have an adrenalized horde of social warriors who've taken advantage of the chaos to launch into a massive campaign against imagined systemic racism and its purported cure, which is critical race theory. Remember, according to CRT, denials of racism are proof of racism. Finally, we come to the COVID pandemic. Well, how long did it take the progressive left to politicize and weaponize the, the pandemic? Biden's entire basement campaign was based on the pandemic. I mean, how many times did Joe tell us we needed to religiously wear face masks, face masks at all times? Face masks were the patriotic thing to wear. To this very moment, there is still no evidence of the effectiveness or efficacy of face masking America, and even less than no evidence on masking children under the age of 12. But Joe... Joe's back to mandatory face masks. Biden's use of the pandemic was the most noticeable push to seize our civil rights and hold them hostage. We saw none of this under President Trump. Under Trump, there were no vaccine mandates, mask mandates, a topic I'll return to, vaccine passport mandates, and soon we'll see booster shot mandates. And don't think that Joe hasn't thought about going all Australia on us. 
you realize that Australia is under strict, and I mean at the point of bayonet strict, lockdown because of the Delta variant. Moreover, Joe and the crafty Democrats used the pandemic to extract $1.9 trillion in unnecessary debt from our children to fund the so-called American Rescue Plan, which has only emboldened them to push for another $6 trillion of debt to fund all sorts of socialism. And then the pandemic allowed the Biden White House to politicize the CDC and the NIH to support political decisions, not medical or public health determinations. And the pandemic empowered the two largest teachers' unions to extract huge pay and work concessions from us, the taxpayers. Flush with government rescue money, the woke teachers' unions have joined in the support of progressive school boards as they surreptitiously integrate tenets of critical race theory throughout the K-12 through curricula. The teachers' unions also endorse and support the special transgender policies voted in by woke school boards. Which parent wants their child to learn that they are either oppressors or oppressed victims of racial or skin color differences? Where's the groundswell among parents for this sick ideology? And for transgender issues? All this sneaky policy manipulation to selectively protect an extremely small group of students. In essence, woke school boards have pushed transgender ideology upon the overwhelming majority of students and parents who find the whole idea abhorrent. But like all situations on the left, they seek to inconvenience and agitate the many in their efforts to falsely protect the few. This leads to strife, conflict, and chaos. And I don't believe for a moment that the strategic progressives pushing this ideology give one hoot about the victims of transgender experimentation. How about a for instance? Well, okay, for instance, after spending nearly half a million dollars on equity consulting this past year, the consultants told the Loudoun County School Board that transgender students were frequently bullied at school. So instead of enforcing the school district's current zero-tolerance policy on bullying, the board designed a special policy for transgender students that will involve approximately 60 to 80 students out of 90,000 against bullying. But this wasn't enough. The school board's new policy commanded teachers to call transgender students by their trans names and their preferred trans pronouns. This requirement, as a condition of employment, is probably unconstitutional. It's questionable if you can compel a teacher to say something that's against their religion. My name is Tanner Cross and I am speaking out of love for those who suffer with gender dysphoria. 60 Minutes this past Sunday interviewed over 30 young people who transitioned but they felt led astray because lack of pushback or how easy it was to make physical changes to their bodies in just three months. They are now detransitioning. It's not my intention to hurt anyone, but there are certain truths that we must face when ready. We condemn school policies like 8040 and 8035 because it will damage children, defile the holy image of God. I love all of my students, but I will never lie to them regardless of the consequences. I'm a teacher, but I serve God first, and I will not affirm that a biological boy can be a girl and vice versa, because it's against my religion, it's lying to a child, it's abuse to a child, and it's sinning against our God. My name is Laura Morris. I have been a teacher in Loudoun County Public Schools for five years. 
and a teacher for 10. This summer, I have struggled with the idea of returning to school, knowing that I'll be working yet again with a school division that, despite its shiny tech and flashy salary, promotes political ideologies that do not square with who I am as a believer in Christ. After reading about your lack of consideration for the growing population of concerned citizens in this division, clearly evidenced by this empty room tonight where you shut the doors to the public as well as the emails sent by the superintendent last year reminding me that a dissenting opinion is not allowed even to be spoken in my personal life, going so far as to send a form to my colleagues and I encouraging us to fill it out if we hear one another speaking against the controversial policies being promoted by this school board and adopted in this county. Not only that, but within the last year, I was told in one of my so-called equity trainings that white, Christian, able-bodied females currently have the power in our schools and that, quote, this has to change. Clearly, you've made your point. You no longer value me or many other teachers you've employed in this county. So since my contract outlines the power that you have over my employment in Loudoun County Public Schools, I thought it necessary to resign in front of you. School board, I quit. I quit your policies, I quit your trainings, and I quit being a cog in a machine that tells me to push highly politicized agendas on our most vulnerable constituents, the children. I will find employment elsewhere. I encourage all parents and staff in this county to flood the private schools. This last teacher was cut off at two minutes sharp. That's where you can hear the buzzer. The first teacher, Tanner Cross, was suspended indefinitely for his comments of defiance. A district judge ordered him temporarily reinstated, but the school board has appealed the reinstatement to the Virginia Supreme Court, so his case will be heard the first week of September. Interestingly, two other teachers have joined this lawsuit against its imposition on teachers. No other students get this privilege to be called by whatever name they choose. The policy also mandates that transgender students can use the restroom and the locker facilities according to their professed new gender. They don't have to show proof they're undergoing any kind of transgender therapy by a licensed professional or whatever. If you say you are transgender, then you are transgender. Moreover, the new policy allows these few students to compete in women's athletics. That is, if they're transitioning from male to female athletics. Now, you can imagine how well this has gone over with parents. In fact, despite a thunderous objection from hundreds of parents at the meeting, the transgender policy passed on a 7-2 vote. And parents really aren't happy. How unhappy are they? I'm going to tell you right after the break. It's going to be a short one. You all come back, okay? Let's get real. Let's get loud on America Out Loud Talk Radio. This is McCullough Report. Are you tired of your tired vitamins? Consider Healthy Cell. These are pill-free vitamins that are in convenient gel packs. Uh, I like the Focus and Recall supplement. I use this a lot. You know, your brain uses a lot of energy, and it depends on a variety of micronutrients and vitamins. Boost your short-term focus and long-term brain power with Healthy Cell's Focus and Recall vitamins. So go to HealthyCell.com, use the code OUTLOUD, all capital letters, OUTLOUD, for a 20% off your first order of any Healthy Cell product. Let's get real. Let's get loud on America Out Loud Talk Radio. In 2008, the amount of concentrated time people could spend on a task without becoming distracted was 12 seconds. Five years later, it was only 8 seconds. 
one second less than a goldfish. If you find yourself always distracted or having trouble recalling information, you're likely to fall behind in the demanding, fast-paced 21st century. In other words, brain performance is more critical now than ever. Boost your brain power with Healthy Cells Focus Plus Recall. Science-backed nootropics to sharpen focus, concentrate longer, enhance recall, improve mental speed, learn rapidly, and be more alert. It's a pill-free brain supplement made with maximum absorption technology, designed to feed our brains at the cellular level. Take it for a test drive. Go to HealthyCell.com and use code OUTLOUD for 20% off your first order of Focus Plus Recall. That's HealthyCell.com. Code OUTLOUD for 20% off. It was a vision that gave birth to a unique multimedia platform that would combine classic talk radio, great writers, and memorable podcasts and videos. AmericaOutloud.com is a conservative leader in a field that is predominantly run by far-left progressive globalists. Welcome to the new era in communications, America Out Loud Talk Radio. Hello, hello, uh, greetings and hallucinations, and welcome back. Before the break, we were discussing how angry and determined parents in Loudoun County are about reclaiming their parental rights when it comes to their children's educational curriculum and about their children's physical environment. Here's some of what parents had to say about accepting forced transgenderism in the Loudoun County public schools. Well, we all here already know that the transgender policies will pass tonight and that nothing I or anyone else says tonight is going to change that. But we all here also know that the policy package in place now largely meets the state's criteria and that separate and specific policies are not even necessary. We all here know that these policies coming to vote tonight are nothing more than an opportunity for some of you to score big points within your political camps. Nothing more than a win at the cost of the kids that you are using. I hope at some point your conscience will consider the price of that win, a community that you have so callously and irresponsibly divided. Not one person here has emerged as a leader to unify and heal this community. Not a single one of you. Tonight could be you, or you could abstain and show us that you want to hear from the rest of us, the majority of us that you don't agree with all the silencing tactics that are happening in the highest levels of LCPS. But I expect that ego will trump conscience for most of you. So enjoy the win for now. My name is Beverly McCulley, I'm a mom of 11. I stand before you as a parent who is perplexed, infuriated, and disgusted with what this board is attempting to do to our children. You're taking away their innocence through books that are forced upon them and all policies you're attempting to force upon us. You are creating racial divides by your critical race theory. You're allowing and condoning boys and girls to use the same bathrooms. You're taking away the safety of our children and exposing them to your twisted agendas. I am so sorry and saddened for children that have gender dysphoria and their parents attempting to negotiate how best to help them. However, this remains a percentage of 1% and a simple solution would be for those children to use a gender neutral bathroom or teachers' bathrooms. 
My girls should not have to see male genitalia in locker rooms, nor should my sons see female genitalia in their locker rooms or open themselves up to rape. We have taken law enforcement out of our schools by saying it's up to principals to call the policy and press charges, so further threatening the safety of our children. My biracial black and white children should not be forced to identify themselves under a specific race. We all bleed red. We are all humans. What CRT will do is further exacerbate the racial issues and does nothing to heal the hurt. So since you feel so compelled to destroy our youth, I offer a prayer. This school board and all children alike, dear God, please guard the hearts and minds of our children. Shield them from oppression, hate, and divide that this board is placing upon each and every one of them. I pray, Lord, and compel you to open their hearts and minds to see the hate and hurt that they are forcing upon the innocent of this world. Lord, I pray and ask that an army of your faithful will rise up and face our oppressors and stand strong in the words you give us. May all that is done to destroy the minds of our youth will be exposed. May all those that are attempting to steal the innocence of youth will be exposed. And Lord, I pray and ask that you come upon each and every one of these school board members and the school system as a whole and allow the Holy Spirit to move inside each and every one of them and that they may... Let's listen to one more transgender concerned mother. This is a short one. My name is Abby Platt, and I'm the parent of three biracial children, one of which is a teenage girl who is an athlete that may be sidelined and pushed out of her sport by um, other children who choose to identify as something different than she is biologically. That troubles me a great deal. I find it amazing when you listen to hundreds of these short minute, the 60 to 90 second speeches before the school district boards. I, I think most of us would find it difficult to get up in, in front of a room with a couple of hundred people, many of them probably strangers, and even just read a statement without your voice cracking and your eyes over-focusing and knowing all along that the, six, the, 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 the seconds that you have, I mean, they're ticking away so very fast. I applaud each and every one of these parents, but I don't forget that they're there for their children, and that's a very powerful motivation. Here's more of what I meant when I said parents aren't going to let woke progressives roll over their parental rights. Now, the parents of Loudoun County formed their own not-for-profit group called the Fight for Schools, and they did this to counter, to counter what they considered a rogue left school board. Now, Loudoun County is unique in many ways. Uh, some of these ways I'm going to share with you in a moment. But the issues and the different struggles parents are having with a non-responsive, politically woke Loudoun County School Board, these aren't unique problems. They center on opening and sustaining in-person and in-class teaching. They don't want any more home online instruction. Now, they're concerned of whether CRT is really in the civics curriculum or not. If not, then what will the civics curriculum look like and how much emphasis will race be given? How will the transgender issues be managed? How will the school make, make up for the lost teaching and learning time? This school district has been out for 580 days without in-class and in-person learning. All, all of it's been online. How will a school make up for the lost learning and teaching time? What are the health policies, especially around masks and vaccines for children? Pretty soon, you know, the vaccine companies got to come out with a vaccine 
all the way to six months. You could have a child six months old and, and get a, a COVID vaccine. Now, how's that going to go over with parental groups and, and how are the schools going to handle that? So what are the mandates for vaccines now and going forward? What teaching materials are going to be used? Books, videos, outside material and outside groups? And what about the pornographic reading material that was substituted for prior literature in English classes? This is something you won't absolutely believe. I'm going to play you a couple of clips. Some of this is adult. I, th- I consider it adult uh, verbiage. Uh, if you have someone really young in the car, uh, protect their ears uh, or wherever, wherever you're listening to this. Uh, I've tried to beep out uh, major sections of uh, some of this testimony, but these uh, parents have gotten up and they're reading out of the books that they're receiving at home for their students' English classes, and it's pretty, pretty remarkable. Jasper wasn't even my boyfriend, just this dude I did some hacking with once in a while. He was pretty basic library systems, low security Not in my league at all, but he had a big and sometimes a girl just needs a big Her top lip curled up. Wait a minute, is that what's really going on? She did your homework and you ate her Is that why you're crying? It's okay, it's cool. This is what girls do at parties. I told myself and kept dancing with the boy. I couldn't see the alcohol making my waist wind faster. If this is inappropriate for me to read to you, this is inappropriate for our children. How much did the billion-dollar porn industry contribute to LCPS? My question is now, are you going to use the whole language approach to coincide with this vile reading and teach pole dancing in PE? And that's only a small portion of what was actually testified to that particular board meeting. Amazing. These people were reading right out of these books. Well, what else about the board? So how will the board communicate updates and progress in the areas we've mentioned above? In fact, are they ever going to get back back to parents about uh, these books that are now replacing things like Catcher in the Rye and other books in English class? How will lowering the standards of excellence offer the advanced learning opportunities for our gifted and hardworking students? They've, They've lowered admission criteria to two of the academies or the magnet schools they have there under this idea of allowing more diversity within these schools but basically it's lowered a lot of the standards, including they've eliminated advanced math and and other types of courses in in elementary schools, all under the idea that we've got to lower things to make them more racially equitable. Race theory, the guiding force behind the diversity, equity, and inclusion movement is cultural Marxism. It is about equal results achieved by tearing down standards, saying things like striving for excellence is now considered a microaggression, and I'm not kidding. Look no further than the faculty demands at the Dalton School. One of the demands is to eliminate AP classes by 2023 if black students are not qualifying in the same percentages. In other words, bring down the high achievers, including some blacks, if the numbers aren't equal. Equity is all about assuming racism exists wherever the numbers for racial groups are not equal. It doesn't require that one find actual number of blacks at your company or on your faculty or in your AP classes. Presto, there's systemic racism. Cue the hiring of an immense DEI infrastructure. Yale alone has 150 DEI officers. I have no idea what they do all day. 
other than sow division. Now that police officers, or resource officers, will no longer be part of each Loudoun County public school, how will safety be handled? This is like defund the school police? My nerves. In many ways, Loudoun County is an excellent school district to study. At least six of the nine board members are out-of-the-closet radical progressive Democrats. They have at least six of nine board members who hold themselves above parents, believing they know about administrative and contractual matters uh, more than most parents, and they, they have the responsibility to balance the needs of all students, and they don't have to pay any attention to individual parents' concerns. This Loudoun County School Board appears to accept that these concerned parents are but a small part of a larger group of voters who elected them to the board, and therefore they give short shrift uh, to what they say, what their views are, as some small portion of the overall electorate. What they fail to understand is that the parent group actually has children in this system, so they're more than just uh, your average county voter. What this board has failed to accept is that the Loudoun parents have pulled their issues and each of these parents are quite articulate in presenting their concerns. To work effectively with this group of involved parents, the school board needs to find ways to involve these sophisticated, worldwide, educated parents who are an external parent group and not subject to taking official orders from the school board. External in the sense that these parents are not part of the parent-teacher organization or part of the Loudoun uh, Education Association, which is the local teachers union, or in any way are they officially tied to the county or other governmental affiliates. Moreover, these parents' core interests are their children's education, and their quest is simply to advocate for their children. Now, the politics of Republicans and Democrats and Independents it plays no role in, in these parents' activities. Therefore, a woke school has no political friends within this parents' group. The only concern of these multi-party parents are their children. Now, the only requirements to be part of the Loudoun County Fight for Schools organization, which is a not-for-profit group, is that you have an interest in supporting their mission. And their mission is longitudinal. Many of these parents have children across the spectrum of grades. We heard one parent say that she has 11 children, five of them are in school, in the Loudoun County system. Now, parents with kids in, say, grade 2 and 6 and 11 look to make education better at each grade because there's going to be a progression of this family's kids coming through. So they want to make it better for the 6th grader who will eventually be an 11th grader and better for the 11th grader because the sixth grader will eventually be there. And the second grader, well, they'll be better all the way across the system. When you go to the Fight for Schools website, uh, a couple of things are important. First, uh, we fight for parents and we fight for schools. Now, that's sort of their opening line. Fight for Schools is a nonpartisan political action committee focused on electing common sense candidates that commit to policies that support equal opportunity, tolerance, meritocracy, and achievement. Doesn't that make perfect sense? Their primary focus begins with this statement. We fight against implementing critical race theory concepts in our schools. 
critical race theory holds that American institutions, language, culture, meritocracy, and liberal systems of government are systematically racist and must be fundamentally altered. In our schools, these changes are implemented in two ways. At the system level, merit-based achievement and admissions are being stifled in order to bring high-achieving students back to the pack in the name of equity. Then, in staff training and the classroom, teachers and students are pressured to see everything through the lens of race and to treat individuals as part of a socially constructed demographic rather than as unique individuals. Simply put, our schools are teaching children to judge people not by the content of their character, but by the color of their skin. But this group is addressing many of these concerns I listed earlier. Fight for Schools can raise money, they can raise community awareness through their sophisticated press and media uh, facilities. Fight for Schools also uses their board interactions as an evaluation tool to assess each board member's performance. These evaluations inform them of what to look for in future candidates running to be board members. First, you should know that Forbes listed Loudoun County as the wealthiest county in America. It's also one of the fastest growing counties as well. There were 312,000 residents in 2010. By 2020, the census showed Loudoun had grown to 414,000 residents. So in 10 years, Loudoun County grew by 102,000 residents or by 32%. Now, the only thing that's growing faster than that are aliens coming across the border, I can assure you. 78% of homes are owner-occupied. Everyone's got a computer. Everyone has broadnet, a broadband, excuse me, internet. 70% of adults have at least a bachelor's degree. And more than 25%, or one-quarter of the population, are first-generation immigrants. After attempting for more than a year to work with the woke members of the school board, Fight for Schools decided to attempt to recall six of the nine members, and they're well on their way to accomplishing that. Parents have openly warned the board that they needed to listen to parents or that parents would work to replace them. Good afternoon. My name is Darris Hess, and my wife and I and our two children live in Loudoun County. To the six board members currently targeted for recall, if you are not going to change your behavior starting right now, I would ask you to resign your positions immediately. This recall is quite a huge undertaking because if they succeed, they will be a model for other parent groups on how to deal with intransigent, ideologically driven school board members. The most immediate issues, schools have been closed in Loudoun County for 580 days before opening this past week. Parents are fed up with online learning and are anxious to find out how much learning their children are deficit. The district school board voted to mandate face masks for all children. Please, needless to say there was a big hullabaloo about this. But the school board threatened to send students back to online learning if parents weren't going to accept masks. So the mask mandate won, but few parents and students are very happy about this. 
Um, I wake up every morning nervous that there'll be an announcement from LCPS that schools will be closed or hybrid again. Everyone, I get it, every time I get an email from LCPS, I'm almost too nervous to open it because it rarely has any good news. Our children have been through enough and have given up enough for COVID. We are supposed to be the adults and put the children first, which we have failed at horribly for over 18 months. So Scott Ziegler, as a mother, I am here today to urge you to change your decision on requiring masks for students. Make it an option. Your teachers and staff were prioritized for vaccines. They are free to wear masks if they choose to. But stop treating our children as vectors of disease. Our kids are more likely to be killed in a car accident on their way to school or struck by lightning than they are of dying from anything related to COVID. You are harming children by making them into paranoid and anxious prisoners cowering behind masks, not seeing friends, classmates, or even their teachers' smiles or facial expressions. In fact, you're turning them into faceless zombies. It's funny that she should say this thing about zombies because recently there was an article about an elementary school up north uh, talking about how they, students were maintaining social distance as they were going to the cafeteria. So they would hold both hands out, both arms out in front of them, uh, almost touching the individual in front of them, and they were practicing the zombie walk as a, uh, a game to get them all socially distanced on the way to the cafeteria. Yeah, it's, 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 it's the walking dead. Well, parents are also mad as hornets about the lies they've been told by this school board and by the superintendent. Lies about CRT. Lies that CRT will not be taught in Loudoun County schools. But parents and teachers found administration documents and documents from the Equity Consulting Group stating that the Loudoun County School District is committed to dismantling white supremacy, systemic racism, and language and actions motivated by race, religion, country of origin, gender, identity, sexual orientation, and or ability. Furthermore, the district is committed to promoting internal and external community harmony and peace, as well as class equity, racial equity, and the goal to root out systemic racism. Huh. After spending $422,000 on equity consulting firms that helps school districts integrate CRT concepts and tenants into school curricula, parents have found that no CRT pledge is to be believed. So before you attempt to silence us again, let me express my complete disgust with every facet of your hidden agendas, attempts to silence those who do not agree with your Marxist practices, and the complete disregard for students of all ages, of whom many have already been negatively impacted by your extreme COVID lockdowns, racist identity politics, and gender policies. I was here in June for the meeting that got shut down by a panel of cowards who think that silencing parents and taxpaying citizens is the appropriate way to shove your critical race theory down the throats of children K through 12 without their parents' knowledge. Who do you think you are trying to hide your CRT teachings using terms like equity, inclusiveness, diversity? Can you hear the frustration, the disgust, the anger in these voices? Most of us never talk to each other this way. But when we do, it comes from our concern over harm of our children. These parents 
Individually, each one of them have tried talking to administrators and to teachers. They've emailed and called board members with questions and concerns. And while teachers have been empathetic and in many cases sympathetic, given that many of them have students in the same school system, the board has proceeded exactly like the Biden administration. We're in charge, and when we want your advice, we'll let you know. But elections have consequences, and yeah, we're the consequences, so go home, keep, keep quiet, or we're going to find a way to come after you and silence you. And they have, actually, but that's a story for next week. This board is into retaliation and revenge for their good names being drugged through the sordid district gossip mill. I'm reminded of a Confucius saying that goes, Before you embark on a journey of revenge, dig two graves. <laughs> but these parents haven't sat around moping about it. No, no, they've set out to make changes. They set out to change the school board. The Fight for School organization just announced that they've met the state of Virginia's requirement for a recall petition against six of the nine board members. That's what they set out to do. Here's Ian Pryor, a parent and the executive director of the group, making this announcement. A volunteer army to collect signatures to remove six school board members, an event that was triggered by their participation in a private Facebook group that plotted against over 60 Loudoun County parents. But also during that time, we have diligently investigated the activities of one of those school mem board members whose behavior has gone so far beyond the pale of what is accepted of an elected official in this country. So today, we have filed our petition to remove Leesburg Representative Beth Bartz from office as a Loudoun County School Board member. My hat is off to these parents. Congratulations. Fight for Schools shows us that we can endure, resist, and take positive pathways to outlast and eliminate the wokeness wrecking ball of progressive politics in local education. Excitingly, there are scores upon scores of parent groups formed and forming around the same issues confronting parents in Loudoun County, Virginia. And the proof of their resistance is exploding numbers of parents across multiple states, multiple school districts attending, and they're attending in standing room only school board meetings these last six months. School board meetings have nearly become a pay-per-view a event. It's, it's only a matter of time before someone takes the zest and commitment by parents and forms a national organization of parents and children's educational rights. Folks attending these open meetings aren't there for the entertainment, although some of these meetings get so heated that one could almost expect cage fights to break out. Parents attending these meetings take their full two-minute uh, turn at the speaker's podium, often 60 to 80 feet away from the board's elevated throne seats arranged in a semicircle facing the speaker. They have found their voice, and no matter how nervous they are about public speaking, they're at these meetings to be heard. I'm amazed to watch these board meetings where the board members sit there and scroll through their Twitter and Facebook accounts, re read books, occasionally use their cell phones to video a, a, a parent speaking. And in short, they, they could be more disinterested. I know I have played a lot of parent uh, videos on this show today, and I apologize for maybe overdoing it. But I really want you to get a sense of what's going on and to encourage you to get up, get out, and participate. We need everyone. 
I've watched hundreds of these two and one minute parent videos. You can watch nearly every school board meeting in America. Most school boards use the same software called BoardDocs. Just go to Google, type in the name of the county school board you're looking for, and you'll find your way around. There's also a very cool website that follows nearly every school board in the country. It's called School Board Watch List, and this website is just the same, www.schoolboardwatchlist, all one word, dot org. Well, our time, unfortunately, has come to an end again. So much more to come next week, so much more to say. Lord willing, I will return next week. I regret I have only one life to give to my fellow conservatives, and I regret I only had one hour to give to this topic. I hope you liked neo-Marxist school boards in CRT and transgender clothing. I hope you found it informative. Please follow me on Twitter. I do follow back. You can find me at DFB Harvard. I can't possibly thank you enough. You were marvelous and so patient with me again today. Let's do talk therapy next week. Same place, same time. Until then, cheers and blessings.